hairs on my body started standing on end. Silent. Nothing there. I fought to get back into my body. You are going to be a vital importance of helping us convince the masses. Type 471. Type 471. Bridge to the other world. Bridge to the other world. Welcome to Type 471. I'm Sam Kitchen. Today, I'm speaking with Alan Woods, a man who has had experiences across what many people would believe are separate phenomena, but as we're learning lately, people who experience one phenomenon tend to experience another, and Alan is another one of those people. So I'm very interested to speak with Alan today. He's got some incredible experiences, and we're going to get into all of it. Alan Woods, thanks so much for being on Type 471. How you doing today? Uh, you're welcome. Doing fine. Very well. Very good. So let's uh, let's start at the beginning. Um, you, you've you've mentioned kind of some. Uh, I want to. Okay, I'll call it ghost phenomena. Let's 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 start there with the beginning of your interactions with a non-physical being. Okay, I uh, do a lot of gold mining in my in my spare time, and I've seen. I guess you'd call them ghosts. Um, like one time outside of Wairika, I was metal detecting for some gold right out of where a mine shaft was. And according to my eye, I saw, uh, it looked like, like um, an older guy, gentleman with a beard and had a red shirt on with dark, dark blue jeans looking right at me. And he's, I guess he was probably at 40 or 50 feet away, something like that. Anyway, I kind of caught him with my, peripheral vision and i looked over that way and then he wasn't there anymore and for this person to be there it would have to be um probably you know levitating 10 feet off the creek bed hmm. where i was i was up on some tailings right near the creek so i go back to metal detecting again and i saw it again and i kind of am i really seeing this and i wasn't looking at it directly again this peripheral vision and so, you know, I actually really seeing this and then I looked over there and it was gone again. And then the third time it came back again. This is just all in a few minutes. It came back again. And this time I didn't look at it at all. And I just used my peripheral vision to get a really good kind of look at what um, this person was wearing or whatever it was. And then I talked to it a little bit, I think, and said, you know, I'm just here just to find some gold or something. And then, that was the end. I never saw it again, and I've been back there several times. And then, um, not too far from that area, um, there's another place that we were that was mining. I find some pretty nice nuggets with the metal detector, and I start smelling this uh, like tobacco pipe um, smell, like a cherry, you know, really pungent pipe smell or something, cigar smell, something like that. And I noticed that I've had it happen in the past and I noticed it. And then I found a pretty, some pretty nice gold after that. And then it happened again. Um, about a month later, I went back up there. It happened again. And then same thing. So when you, when it happened again, you experienced this 
sweet pipe tobacco smell, and then you once again found more gold at that point? Yes, yes. And and, is it, and it happened to be in like one small area where this was happening at, and there's some mine shafts there. So I took my wife up there because I had never taken her in there before. So I took her back in there and um, same exact spot. I started mining, uh, metal detecting, and then I smelled it again. And I asked her, I go, do you, I never found any gold before that, that day. I just started. And I asked her, I go, do you smell something? And she says, yeah, I smell like a, like a tobacco pipe or, or some kind of strong tobacco smell. Oh. And then I explained to her kind of, what happened to me in the past there and then it was probably 10 minutes after that i found some more gold wow that's interesting so, and and this time you had confirmation from another party that that there was this smell there so it wasn't all just entirely you know your experience you know it was uh it was something objective happening right exactly yeah and when i asked her if she smelled the same thing so i never told her about um was I what I was experiencing up there because I don't want her to, you know, some people get kind of scared or freaked out about it or something and get worried. But that's why I want her to kind of, and then I told her about it and then she was okay with it. And, you know, but right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now it, it seems that given the, the gold mining and the, the, the sorts of interactions you've had, uh, the, the, the sighting you had and then the pipe tobacco smell, does this, kind of indicate a particular time period to you yeah i'm guessing probably back in the uh, mining days you know early mining periods usually it happens right where there's mine shafts at and where there's mining activity at and that's kind of where i go so right and there i know i was gonna um tell you another time we were down by clear creek outside of redding and um another mining area and they hydraulic mine with water on the sides of this hill and left a a ridge line probably about 30 feet wide and my buddy who really doesn't believe in any of this stuff was down below at the beginning down there on the lower part of it where the sluice boxes would have been at the bottom and i was up on top of the ridge um, where it's 30 feet wide metal detecting up there and we were probably maybe 300 400 yards from each other or something and this is wide open you know grassy area so I was down there, I was metal detecting, and then probably after about two or three hours, we started talking, and he said, did you see those horses go by? I said, what horses? And he goes, these horses went right by me. He's like, I didn't see them, but he said that, you know, I they went right by me, and I could smell them, and I could hear them, and they were going right up the ridge, right where you were standing, right where you were at up there. And I go, well, they have to run me over and for me to, you know, miss them. So I was right in that same area for a long period of time. So Dave is kind of like he, you know, like I said, he kind of believes some stuff or not, but now he's starting to kind of believe some stuff. He's, I haven't been telling him anything. He's kind of experiencing on his own. And so starting to believe some of it now. So. Wow. That's really interesting. So there, there's you having your experience and then you, and then you bring your wife and she independently confirms, and then you bring your friend up there and he's having, you know, a completely uh, uninformed experience just on his own. So, right. Wow. Uh, and the, and these were in different areas. The, the first area you mentioned was near Wairika and yep. then in, in Siskiyou County. And then later it was in Shasta County. Correct. Uh, 
So I wonder if it's... And I've had, I've had another, I mean, I had a mining claim up by the Trinity, East Fork of the Trinity River up there. And I've even um, had somebody else with me that was up there. And we experienced what we were smelling, uh, you know, like um, coffee or bacon cooking or something like that. We, you know, we, I mean, I grew up in that country and I, and there's no plants or anything around that smell like that. And this is the middle of nowhere. There's nobody camping anywhere near this place or anything. It's middle of nowhere. And so we, you know, could smell stuff like that. So there's different times I've experienced different places. Uh, what was it, is there more about that one? Can we, can we get it into a little bit more about what happened up there? Yeah, we were, um, I was up there falling up this Creek up there, um, trying to figure out where the gold was coming from. And there's a bunch of rocks stacked up. And so I went up there and I was panning and stuff and found a couple pieces of small gold. And, and, um, that evening we camped up there for two or three days. And that evening, um, down there by the Creek, I could smell, you know, like I said, the bacon or the coffee kind of together smell. And, Mm -hmm. um, after about uh, the second time, I think was when, we tried mining up there. We still weren't finding very much. So the second time I smelled it, I actually talked to him and I just said, Hey, you know, we're up here just gold panning. We'd like to find some of your gold. And, and we really appreciate it if we could, you know, help us find some, of, you know, some gold, some nice gold. And, and believe it or not, we found after that, I don't know if it has something to do with it or not, but we started finding lots of gold up there, lots of gold. So we moved the dredge up there and we were easily finding a couple ounces a day. Wow. And I really like that you spoke to them and asked permission and, and you know, just communicated your well intentions to them. Um, I think that's a good idea. And across a number of phenomena, that seems to actually work. It seems it kind of seems to be the key to having a beneficial experience. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, I like I said, I'm really open. I I kind of believe it if it happens to me. And I was going to tell you also that I found a a spur um, just above the creek on a bench up there when I was metal detecting, and it has Spanish silver on it. And I still have it. No. And I'm not sure if it was from one of those guys or who it was from, but I had somebody from the museum look at the spur, and they told me that whoever lost that spur had quite a bit of money back then in the 1800s because of the silver engraving that's on it, Spanish silver. Wow, nice. So, yeah. Do you have a picture of this? I'd like to see it. Yeah, I'll, have, I'll send you a picture of it. All right, cool. Thanks. And, and it kind of seems that you have a particular affinity to that time period, do you not? Yes, I do. I um, I found out later on. Um, I really like. Uh, I'm really into like the you know U.S. Cavalry back in those days, and I have a U.S. Cavalry tattoo on my arm, and um, really into that stuff. And one day I was at this um, chiropractor's office who is a, a Native American from Karuk tribe. I've been there a couple times, and then one day she said, you know, wow, I really want to thank you. And I said, for what? She goes, you, you opened up to me, and she told me that I was in the U.S. Calvary during the Indian Wars and that she could see me in a uniform. I mean, I believe in reincarnation and stuff. I don't know anything about my past. But I'm kind of leaning towards it's probably correct because I have horses and mules now. You know, we pack and and really into that kind of stuff. 
it's a time period and a lifestyle that you're comfortable with. I'd be willing to bet that you did have a previous incarnation there. Yeah, yeah. it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. I was born remembering past lives, <laughs> so I, I I know how it works. That's that's really interesting, and uh, I wonder if these gentlemen that you've encountered, the non-physical guys that you meet up there, I wonder if you've known them before. I don't know. I've I I don't know. It's it's hard to say. I mean, I know because you know there's a, there's a lot of people up there during the mining days, so. I don't know, but I, somebody did tell me one time that there's somebody with me and they described this person and my family is a really broken fam family and we're not close at all. And my mother is from Vienna, Austria. So she came over alone and my, uh, father's, um, mother and father, my grandmother and father came over from Norway. So we had a really small family, so we really don't have any relatives in the United States. Mm -hmm. But this person told me that there's somebody with me all the time and described this person that was with me. And um, she said it felt like it was a relative. And I said, well, we don't have any relatives here in, in the U.S., you know, just my brother and he's still alive. So found out later on it could be of somebody from my past that I was uh, in war with or maybe in a cavalry with or something like that because they said that this lady said that. As a very close contact, you know, almost like it feels like a relative, but it would make sense, you know, if, uh, as part of my past and that person's with me. Yeah, absolutely. That makes all kinds of sense. Wow. Okay. So what, uh, what else have you experienced along those same lines? Well, there was, yeah, one other time I, I was about eight years old and we were renting this house and, I woke up in the middle of the night and I know that I saw it was a man and a woman and they were holding hands and they were about three feet off the ground and I could only see just their upper torso and they had, uh, they were like a gray and white and the woman had longer hair and the gentleman was wearing like a top hat and he had like a um, suit on, you know, like a kind of business suit or kind of dressed up suit. And wherever, and they're both holding hands, looking right at me, probably five feet from the bed. And wherever they were, it was seems like it was windy because I could see her hair kind of blowing in the wind, and their kind of clothes blowing in the wind. Hmm. And I, I know that I was wide awake when I saw that, and I looked right at them. And then it probably lasted for maybe maybe fifteen seconds, and then that was it. Did they just kind of disappear at that point? Yeah, they seemed like they just they was gone, just vanished. That's some pretty incredible stuff you've experienced yeah i, I want to get into the sasquatch stuff like is there is there other non-sasquatch related stuff no that's um just uh you know a couple other times of smelling other you know like uh perfume or something like that and then in december where nothing's blooming you know in some of these places but i think that's about about it i mean i have stuff sometimes but yeah anyway you seem to be a person who's, you know, sensitive and prone to having these sorts of experiences. And it's, it's great. This is a great thing. And, uh, it, it, more and more people seem to be, you know, that kind of person, or, or we, we seem to be becoming more and more aware of, of people like you 
who have these experiences and who experience things across a broad spectrum of phenomena. And that also includes you. And you've you've experienced Sasquatch related uh, events. And and I'm very interested to, to hear about that. What was the first Bigfoot experience you had? Well, the first one experience I had, I believe I was in um, high school, a sophomore. I wasn't driving yet. So it was about 1982. And um, a friend of mine from high school wanted to go past Lake Siskiyou up to, uh, I think it's called Timber Lake up there. Um, there's a couple of lakes up there, but Timber Lake is where we're going to go to for a few days. So we went up, we went up there and his dad dropped us off at the trailhead. We hiked in there. The first night that we were there, we had a, a fire and for some reason I got really scared. I mean, I could not explain to you how scared I was. There was no sound or anything. We didn't see or anything or, you know, hear anything. It just felt like I was definitely afraid of something i mean i've never been that scared in my life um that the hair was standing up on back eye and neck i was i mean if if i could have got out of there i would have got out of there that's how scared i was i mean it was it just really um really bothered me and then so we started putting more wood on the fire make the fire bigger and it kind of seemed to go away then and then we ended up leaving a day early out of there but it just uh I didn't know what it was at the time. I couldn't explain it. I never really heard of, you know, this Sasquatch. And I, I, I know a long time ago that film that they did in Bluff Creek or whatever that was. But, I mean, that was – I didn't know if I really believed that stuff or not, you know, to be honest. And when that happened, I couldn't explain what what happened. We're only people up there, and I can't explain why I was scared like that. I have no idea. But it does make sense later on, you know, what happened after I – you know, had more experiences. <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, I can't wait to get into that. Some people think that they cause that fear response that you're referring to with infrasound. I mean, there's nothing else going on. You know, you've got no visual stimuli. You have no auditory stimuli. You're, you're, you're not aware of anything happening that, that is making you afraid. And yet you're afraid. And some people believe that that is caused with sound that is below the the human audible level it's it's like a outside the range of human hearing but uh yeah some people think they use infrasound to somehow cause that fear response in us they do they do that to try to scare you away from the area or i mean what is it well yeah uh to to scare you away from the area yeah just to kind of protect themselves and uh other animals do it as well it's not it's it's not entirely speculative because it's known in the natural world so it's a reasonable speculation that that they may in fact do that you know and they're such large beings with such a huge lung capacity you know they could make all kinds of sounds um and uh yeah there's there's strong reason to believe that they do make sounds that are outside of the human range of hearing um so yeah that's that's interesting they it seems like they would have been aware of you and, uh, you know, didn't like the fact that you were there and they were just trying to freak you out a little bit, it sounds like. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. I've, I've never experienced that myself. I've never experienced that fear that people get. And so, I mean, maybe one day I will. But I'm curious yeah. about it. But, like, if it ever actually happens, I'm going to be pissing my pants, I'm sure. Well, I've never went back up there again. And I, I don't even want to look at the map of that area. I just stay away from that, that area. Yeah, I don't have anything to do with that area. 
<laughs> man, that's 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 saying something. I mean, you know, you're you're a pretty tough guy. I've gotten to know you a little bit. You know, you you don't seem like someone who scares easily to me. And uh, I mean, for you to be so freaked out by this experience when you didn't even see or actually hear anything, I mean, that's that's saying something. You know, like uh, that's an effective technique they have for for scaring people off. Right. Right. Wow. All right. So what comes next? So next it was, um, had to be 1980, but 1983. I remember where I was, uh, I was driving then and my buddy and I from out Shasta were down by Lake Siskiyou, which is where the, um, the golf course is now before they built that golf course, it was just an open grassy field out there. And we were quail hunting out there and we're both walking together and kind of talking and, and I, right in front of me, I saw something walking away from me and it was very tall as I'm guessing seven foot tall. I was a little bit higher than it was because I'm up on kind of a rise and it was down below me by these willows walking through these willows, walking away from me about at least seven foot tall really long hair come a uh, brownish brown colored hair made a little bit of a red to it walking away and i remember i looked down and i looked back up again i still saw it and i'm like am i really seeing this and then i looked at my buddy and he looks at me at the same time and we look back again and we're looking at it and then it it just vanished it was really weird it just disappeared as you were looking at it it just kind of was gone like you didn't yeah you didn't look away and it was gone but as you were looking at at it it was there and then it was gone yes wow yes and and this this is something that that i really want to focus on this is important um people are reporting this all over the place and you know i'm sure you've heard the theories that people have about it uh, some people think that they're interdimensional. Some people believe that they cloak themselves, like somehow make themselves invisible. So uh, th- there are various schools of thought on what is happening in those moments when they just phase out and just kind of disappear in front of your eyes. But whatever it is, something is happening. I mean, there's there's something there that we need to understand. Um and I've experienced kind of a counterpart to that, that or something that I feel is a counterpart to that. Um, even though it has not happened in relation to a visual sighting, I ha- sometimes when they're around, you know they're around and you can feel them. And then other times, uh, they, it, it feels like there's nobody around and it feels a little too much like there's nobody around. And I've gone into this on the show before, so, you know, I'm not going to go into all of it, but I have pointed out and I want to point out again that there is some... Uh, precedent for this in human history, like as I've pointed out before, the ninja warriors of feudal Japan used to make themselves as stone, meaning that they would kind of concentrate on the energies of stone or inanimate objects in their environment to for the purpose of masking their energies from their enemies, from their approaching enemies, so that no one would be able to feel their presence. And I wonder if the Sasquatch do that as well. And I wonder if that may be a counterpart to the visual aspect of what's going on, 
uh, when when people see them disappear in front of their eyes. Um, it, it just seems like it may be all intertwined and related and connected somehow with something that they're doing to kind of get you off their trail. I, I don't know what's going on, but it's, it's interesting, and I really want to understand. So this, this individual, it didn't just disappear behind some willows, did it? No. No. Right. No, because the willows were sparse. They're sparse willows. And like I said, it was just, um, it was just open field, and it was just, it was gone. And so we sat there for a few minutes. I don't know how long we sat there for, but stood there for a little while, and then decided that we're going to go down there and go see how tall it was. And and you could, we could kind of determine where the, how tall the willows were and where it went by because they're really sparse willows. And it opened up in the grass again. And um, anyway. It, it, and I couldn't understand, not until I talked to you, I, I still couldn't understand or fathom how something physical like that, you see, it's like you see somebody walking down the street. It, you're seeing something physical for sure. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden that person's gone. Now, how is that possible? Yeah. You know, like you're like talking to you. I mean, I back until I talked to you, I, I really kind of forgot about this stuff. So I really don't want to talk about it, <laughs> but I, I, I just couldn't wrap my mind around how something like that could have happened. And I know that it was just gone. It didn't just walk over the hill. It was just gone. The people are seeing them. Like I saw one, you know, and people were seeing them. Then how can they just disappear like that? It, it doesn't, you know, I, I just, yeah. Anyway, yeah. something to kind of learn to understand. <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm kind of like WTF about the whole thing. On the one hand, we know for a fact that they are whatever else they may be. We know that they're a physical being with physical needs. They leave footprints. They, uh, you know, they eat. They are very preoccupied with feeding themselves because they're so large they have to consume so many calories in a day. So, I mean, we, we know that they have mundane, practical needs and concerns, but then at the same time, they can also just completely vanish in front of your eyes. So, uh, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't understand it. I want to understand it, and I want everybody to understand it, because I think it's kind of a next step in, in terms of our understanding of things. Um, I think it's important. So. Yeah, well, I, I I don't I don't I don't know what's going on. Um, <laughs> something is happening. So I, but you know, like it goes way back into the the native traditions, the native accounts of their encounters, and it, it, they've been reporting the same thing for hundreds of years. People say that they walk in both worlds. They walk in both the physical world and the spirit world. So whatever it is, I would like to get to the bottom of it. I don't have any answers for you, but. It's it's a great experience that you had. You mentioned that it was dark brown. If if we could focus on every single aspect of its appearance, what did it look like? Oh, I'm trying to remember back. It was like a dark brown, long hair. I'm guessing the hair was probably five inches long, six inches long, something like that. Pretty pretty long hair. Yeah. Um, long arms, very long arms. They kind of um, swayed by its side as walking away. Um, like I said, I didn't see its face or anything, just the back of it. And it, I really couldn't uh, disseminate between a head and its and its body. You know what I mean? It just seemed like it just because it's all hair, like longer hair. 
So you can see its shoulders and you can see its head there, but you didn't have a neck is I guess what I'm trying to say. It didn't seem like it had a neck. Big hands. That's about all I could really say about it. I mean, like I said, I didn't see it from the front. but Right. Well, that's, I mean, that's a pretty compelling description right there. So this was in kind of a willowy area. Were there wetlands around? No, just a kind of a, a dried swale of a creek bed, kind of not even really a creek bed, just kind of a little draw. So, I mean, just a couple little willow trees. So I was going to ask if you looked for put, footprints. I, I'm gathering that you didn't. Yeah, we we went down there and we um, we kind of looked right where the willow trees were. And um, we could see where it stepped and bent the grass down. And then it, we just got out of there. We didn't, I haven't anything to do with it anymore. <laughs> and that was, that was the end of it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't blame you there. So what comes next in the Sasquatch experiences? Yeah, so, so you know, um, then then another time we were by Lake Siskiyou, um, over toward the Toe Lake area side, and we were, um, I think it was in high school then, we were, middle of the night, we're up there drinking beer, you know, and there was probably four or five of us up there drinking beer and stuff, and and we heard a loud wail of a scream. I mean, it was really loud. And once we heard that, we, I've never heard it before. I mean, I've been in the mountains all my life and um, see mountain lions and stuff and screams. But this was just something completely different. It was a very loud yell. And everybody just kind of um, tried to getting the pickups you know and we got inside there and then i was sitting there and had a beer and i was i was kind of like yeah that, that i know what this is you know and and uh you can ask you one of those people and i'm sure they still remember um about that night and hearing that sound mm-hmm. and i think we left right after that we we left that area so yeah. but it was a blood curdling scream it was loud if you had to compare it to some other sound that you've heard what would you what does it most closely resemble oh it's kind of hard to explain i know mountain lions are really shrieky you know sound this is more of a um i don't know it's hard for me to explain kind of what it was yeah yeah it's kind of like a like a kind of a sound Uh aha okay well that helps a lot actually that's kind of reported all the time and as a matter of fact okay so when it goes, does it go up? Like, did it? Yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It went like, it went like, ooh, really loud. Yep. I know exactly what you're talking about. Someone reported that to me in Southern Oregon recently. There are, it seems that there are different calls that are kind of regional, like regional dialects. And it seems like that is kind of one of the calls that people hear around this area, around the Siskiyou's around, you know, Siskiyou County in Southern Oregon. Um, that's very interesting. That That's, you know, like a key detail right there. I'm glad, I'm glad we, you, you mentioned that. So it goes up and up and up and just gets super loud. How far away do you feel like it was? Oh, um, I don't know, probably 500 yards or something. Mm-hmm. It was close, but it was loud. So I'm not sure, you know, how, how loud their voices can get, or but it, it seemed like it was... It definitely knew we were there. Yeah, they can get so unbelievably loud, like louder than you would even possibly think. So it's difficult to gauge, uh, you know, loudness versus distance. All you know is that it's super loud. So, I mean, 
how how loud are they compared to how far away they are? So I, I think I understand what you what you mean. Like it's difficult right. to gauge exactly where it would have been, but yeah, it, it was loud and close. I think we've I think we've narrowed it down to that much. So what uh, what happens next? So my last um, experience, it was um, about 1991 because I was on leave from the Navy at the time. I got in the Navy in '93, and that was took a couple weeks off to go bow hunting deer. And I went down North Shore at Lake Siskiyou and parked a car right where um, the main road on Lake Siskiyou, North Shore. We parked um, the car right there, and there's a road that goes up the hill, up in the timber, and kind of towards Morgan Meadow area. And we walked up there, and it's in the in the after late afternoon evening, and we were walking up there, looking for deer and some oaks and stuff. And so walked up the hill and didn't see any deer up there. And then we're starting to see the sun starting to setting you know, behind Lake Siskiyou there. So we started coming down the hill and we noticed by looking on the road, there was these flat footprints and they were, they looked like a human footprint and they were flat and they were huge. And they were walking the same direction we were walking. So they're coming, it was coming up behind us and we could clearly see him because the way the sun was setting, it was reflecting off of this flat, you know, you got powdery dirt road. They got this, flat um footprint right on it and um right when we saw it we knew right where it was we we knew what it was automatically um we never saw it we don't know where it went after it came up behind us but we definitely saw the footprints and it came up after we were up there it seemed like so we saw those and then we just kind of hurried kind of back down the hill and got back down in the car and we got in the car and we're sitting there for for a few minutes you know, just kind of thinking, is that really what we saw? Where do you think it's at up there? Do you know, do you, maybe we should drive up there. And just, you know, you start thinking. And then all of a sudden, we heard this loud scream come in the same direction we just came down that hill from. It was a it was a different type of scream. This time, it was like a really high-pitched scream. I mean, it just scared the tar out of us. I mean, it really just scared the crap out of us. And we we got the hell out of there and just left. Yeah. And I've never been back to that place ever again. Wow. These are some pretty powerful experiences you've had. Yeah, and I, you know, and I question myself, I'm like, you know, why am I experiencing this stuff? I mean, why why is it me? Why am I experiencing this? And and I really to be honest with you, I don't want to experience it anymore. I really don't. I don't have any I have kind of a curiosity, but I really don't. I've been scared enough from whatever this thing is and then and you know, I don't want to experience it anymore or go back to those areas. I mean, like, if you talk me into it, we could go back there with you, but I really don't want to go back there. Yeah, well, I do want to talk you into it because <laughs> yeah. I want you to take me there. <laughs> yeah, and it's something will probably happen. Mm-hmm, good. That's what I'm counting on. And and I think that, you know, I've, I've been up in the mountains a lot of times since then and, and haven't experienced anything um, like that again. I know that Outside of Trinity Center, um, I was telling you that um, a friend of mine were up there in the timber, doing some timber work up there, and and this was about 2000, and he called me on the radio. His name was Bob, and he's from out Shasta. Anyway, he just called me on the radio. He said, you need to get over here right now, and and um, told me where he's at, and I'm like, I'm right in the middle, middle of nowhere, and he wanted me there right now. And he wouldn't tell me what it was over the radio, what was happening. So I had to hike back to the truck, got in the truck, 
got there as fast as I could, and he was sitting in his truck, and he would not get out of his truck. So then I asked him, I said, what's going on, Bob? And he goes, look on the side of that hill over there. And it was the side of a hill. It was really duffy. And I walked over there, and I could see where something was sunk in the dirt walking across that hill. And it, it was it had big footprints, what I could tell. Was, you couldn't distinguish that there was footprints there, but you could see where something pushed way down in the duff. Whatever it was, was, was really heavy, extremely heavy, walking on the side of that hill. It wasn't far from his truck at all. And he just said, um, you know, he didn't want to talk about it. I said, well, you know, I don't think it's a bear because the bears have a round footprint. This is a long, long feet, whatever it was. And it was in a line, almost in a line, a little bit offset. So anyway, he really didn't want to talk about it. And then that night we were staying there in Trinity Center. That night I, I uh, got him a couple beers and then he told me, he says it was, he was looking at the map and he said it was Sasquatch. And I said, are you sure? And he goes, it was Sasquatch. And he said, I know what I saw. And I believe Bob, he's not a, um, wouldn't lie to me or make something up like that or anything else. I mean, he was definitely sure it was Sasquatch. And when that happened that day, he went home right after that. And then I was that night when I was talking to him, we had to had a couple of beers. I told him my experience up by uh, Timber Lake and his eyes got big and he experienced something up there by Timber Lake also in the same exact area that I was in. No kidding. Yeah. He, he, he just said that he saw something go through the brush and look like a, he kind of he said it was a Sasquatch. And I said, what did it look like? And it was a Sasquatch. So and it's hard to get anything out of him, you know, to talk. Yeah, he sounds pretty tight-lipped about it. And he doesn't really want to tell anybody about like myself because, you know, people that, you know, people out there don't believe you and you think you're crazy. There's something wrong with you. You're crazy. You should be locked up. And, and um, you know, after I started talking about you, I, to you about my experiences, I, I completely didn't want to talk about it or, or anything. I just don't want to. Tell anybody anything, any experience about it or, you know, really remember back of what I experienced. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. It's unsettling. I mean, your experiences have been very scary for you. I understand that. You, you mentioned why me, and it, it comes back to that whatever it is, that sensitivity or that awareness that makes certain people susceptible to these types of experiences. like. When a person experiences a ghost or a UFO, chances are they've also experienced a Sasquatch or, you know, some other experience. So it, there, there seems to be a certain consciousness that, that goes along with it that, that, that people have that make them more prone to these kinds of experiences. And I certainly don't blame you for not wanting to have the experience again. But the corresponding consciousness and awareness and sensitivity, that is something that you want to keep. That's something that, you know, is a good thing that, uh, you know, you want to cultivate and hold on to, even if you don't want to have these kinds of experiences, which I don't, I don't blame you for not wanting to have them. Yeah, you know, and, and I was talking to you about we had a really bad horse wreck. Um, it was July 5th, I think is when it was, in this one area. And I, and I, I was talking to you a little bit about what happened. Right. Their horses, uh, you know, we, we rode in that area before and kind of felt like something's watching you or something. You know, it just, you just feel like there's something kind of out of place or, you know, mm-hmm. or something. But that day, the horses completely lost it, bucked us off. Wife got hurt. Horses took off down the road. And my mule took off down the road and they were gone. And that evening, I had um, a lady from Scott Valley message me. And she said, I heard what happened. 
I'm sorry to um, hear what happened, but she said that this, the same thing happened to my husband at the exact same place a few years ago. And then I, and then I was like, what, what would it, why would that happen in the exact same place in the parking lot at that trailhead? Why would it happen in the same place? And the same, same thing happened. He got bucked off and they took off running. The only difference was we were on our way in and they, and her and her husband were on their way out when it happened. Okay. So where had they come from? They, they were coming from Fox Lake. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fox Creek Lake. Oh, okay. So, so they came from that creek, and and I've looked at the area you're talking about on Google Earth. I can, I it, I can tell you right now that it matches the the natural features match other areas where there are heavy Sasquatch activity, and uh, it, it has those natural features that tell me yes, there very probably are Sasquatches right here in this area. And Fox Creek Lake is uphill from the trailhead that you're talking about right yes okay so they had come out of the fox creek lake area down to the trailhead and then that's when that happened okay so that's that's an important detail and yours happened while you were on the way in so you hadn't actually been anywhere yet no exactly we're still at the horse trailers okay and then we and we ride all the time the, the mule that i was on that day I rode that mule 300 miles last summer, just during the summer, all over the Marble Mountains. That mule's been all over the place. So, I mean, we're a very horse experience. And for something, for some reason, they just came uncorked. And I think we didn't hear anything. There was no cars anywhere. We didn't hear anything. There's nobody around. There was not during hunting. There was nothing. And they just come uncorked and, and bucked us off and took off. That is amazing. What, what I'm thinking now is that I wonder if there is something below that trailhead that is the trigger or, or, or that is the spot where they're living is really what I'm getting at. I mean, that trailhead is kind of just above, um, what's the town called again? No, Callahan. Callahan, yeah. I knew it started with a C. So it's right above Callahan. So I'm wondering if there's an area below the trailhead because the lady who you mentioned who had had the same experience, she had been coming out of the Fox Creek Lake area and her horses were seemingly fine during that time. It's when they got to the trailhead itself that this happened. And, and your experience also happened right there at the trailhead. So I'm wondering if it's something outside of the Fox Creek Lake area. Because it kind of goes up into this kind of crater type area that has lakes. And, you know, that's, those are part of the natural features that seem to be in common with these uh, Sasquatch ex- experiences in this area, but her horses were fine up there. So I'm wondering if it's something outside of that area, kind of a, an adjacent or related area that's near that trailhead, but not the Fox Creek Lake area itself. Right. You got my wheels turning a little bit. Yeah, and I know that would, I mean, that would make sense because usually when you come back from a ride, your horses are tired, you know, they don't want to take the energy to buck or do anything stupid like that. Right. And she, and she said the same thing. They were, there was nobody around. They just came back to the trucks and then bucked her husband off. And after that happened, he never rode horse or mule ever again. And he was on her mule, which is a very experienced mule, an older mule that had lots of experience in the mountains up in the Marble Mountain area. So, and I know down below that I've looked down that hill before and it's pretty heavy timbered and there's some deep, uh, creeks down in that area. And I don't know if any road 
down there. It'd have to be quite a ways away, I guess, down below that. But I never went down there. I never had a reason to go down below that trailhead. Right. Well, I'm glad that you told me what it looks like down there because that is very telling, you know, very thick timber and creeks. And uh, they they do seem to spend a lot of time in the creek bottoms below these crater-like areas that I mentioned. So Mm. that, in, in, in fact, that is very similar to another experience that I'm familiar with in the Marble Mountains. So, yeah, this is, you know, part of a pattern and it makes total sense now. I'm glad you mentioned to me what uh, the geography is like down there. Huh. That's interesting. Uh, I want to back up for a minute. You, when you were talking about the footprints that you and your friend had found, I want to get the timing down because you felt like maybe it had followed you in there. I want to, the the timing of the footprints relative to when you got in there. And I I just want to lay out the chronology of that event a little bit more. Well, we went in there. Of course, we didn't see footprints going in there. Right. Um, going in there, we weren't, we only in there for, uh, the, the road goes up and it turns to the right and we went off to the right down a little ways and then we were turning around and coming back out. We were only in there 45 minutes max. We were in there. It's not that far of a, of a walk back up that, up that hill and off to the right. It's not that far. Okay. So you had been in there and then you came back. I, I just want to make sure I'm understanding properly. You came back out and then you saw the footprints. Is that what happened? Yes, as we were coming down the hill, heading toward the car, we were looking at the, you know, the sun was right in our eyes, it was setting behind Lake Siskiyou. This this had to be in um, uh, late August, early September, because that's when archery season is for deer in that area. And anyway, we were coming back, and we we saw these flat footprints on the road. And like I said, they were headed like the same direction we were going in so we were coming down they were going the opposite direction right and we were looking right at them and i got a good look at them yeah it that that's very interesting and pretty bold it tells me that he wanted you to see his footprints and he wanted you to see that you know he, he was coming after you and uh then when you came back down you heard that scream from the top where you had been so that Mm -hmm. it sounds very much like he was making his presence known to you yeah and then the guy that i was with i forgot to mention the guy that i was with that day his name jay he was with me on three of those four experiences that i've had so he was with me that day during archery season that we saw the footprints he was with me the day that we saw the Sasquatch when we were quail hunting and he was with me the night that we heard this screaming on the other side of Lake Siskiyou. Wow. And it really affected him because now he, um, he's, I think it really affected him, um, emotionally. He just, uh, I don't think he really ever recovered from it. Yeah. You've mentioned that to me before, like it really impacted him. Yeah. Well, I just wonder if maybe he's another sensitive person like you. And if he's had a broad array of experiences like you have, it's just more more to the mystery, I guess. Yeah. You you did mention that you're going to take me out to these places, and I'm going to hold you to that for sure. So <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, just just get it over with, you know, like rip off the band aid. Right. Right. All right. Cool. Well, we're in the last few minutes of the show, Alan. So yeah, when do you want to do this? When do you want to go out there? Um. 
within the next couple of weeks, we could go out there. And I haven't been to that one road for, it's been a number of years, but I'm, I'm sure I could probably find it right. um, down there. Might have to drive around a little bit to find it, but I'm, I'm sure I can, I can find it once I notice it because it's a, when you're on North Shore Road, it's a road off to your right that goes up toward Morgan Meadow, and there's an opening right there, like a grassy opening, and then there's heavy timber right on the other side of the grassy opening on the on the uphill side. So, I mean, I I, I remember it distinctly now. That I'm you know thinking about it, but uh, I'm sure I can find it again. I just, I just don't know what exactly what road it, it is, but it won't take long to find it. Right. It sounds like this must be an old fire road or something. Yeah, I think it's an old, it's the old road that goes up to, um, um, there's some mines back in there. I'm not sure if that's the road that has the mines on it or if that's the road, the back road. There's a back road that goes up to Morgan Meadows through there, but it's a real rough foil drive ATV road. And it might be on that one, but I don't remember. So. All right. Well, that, that tells me that, that you need to do the driving at any rate. Yes. Yes. Cool. Well, you know, there's this emerging mystery having to do with that general area, and it involves, you know, these crater areas, the, the water, of course, and it involves mines a lot. Like someone told me about a cave in that same general mountain range that is visible from a certain town in that area. And, and this person was warned to never go into that cave because there are things living there that no one has a name for. And uh, these things were known to be dangerous. I, I have no description of these things other than that. Like these, these things that nobody has a name for and, and that they're dangerous. Surprisingly enough, later on, like a couple weeks after I first heard about this, somebody else confirmed this for me. Somebody else had heard the same thing. Like, oh, well, yeah, yeah. There were things living in this cave and nobody knows what to call them. So there's just, and, and that's in the same general mountain range that you're talking about. And, it, you know, it's around gold mines. And so there's this huge enigma going on and I'm trying to get to the bottom of it. And uh, maybe when we go out there to those areas you're describing, maybe that will provide a little insight and take us one step closer to understanding. That'd be good. Cool. Yeah, I'm well. I'm looking forward to getting out there. Hopefully, I still have the the uh, whatever I have that that brings it in. We experienced <laughs> it, you know. I'm willing to bet that you do. Maybe I haven't had another experience like that because I haven't been back to those areas. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that could be. Uh, that that is also very possible. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if uh, going back there might just kind of reinvigorate the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not really not looking forward to going back there. You know, I'll do it with you. But like I said, I'm really not looking forward to going back there and seeing anything or hearing anything or anything else. I guess it kind of helped me understand it a little bit more. You know, and you know, but there's no way I'm gonna become a Sasquatch hunter or anything from my experiences. Yeah, I know. I I I really understand that that um that you you're not really like eager for it, but I appreciate you you know, being willing to, to take me out there. So I, I do want to understand that more though. I, I know that these, these experiences were scary for you. And I guess that in itself could be reason enough for you not, not to want to do that. Is there any part of you that just kind of thinks that it's so fascinating that, you know, the, the fascination and the need to know, um, kind of trumps other things. It, it seems like you don't feel that way. 
No, I mean, yeah, there's, I have kind of a, and I, you know, I want to learn a little more of what's going on, but it seems like my experiences have been bad experiences and, you know, it's not, it's not like it came out and asked me if I want some fruit or that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Anything like that. It, they've all seemed like the bad, bad. And I think as from the very beginning, when I heard uh, that night, when I felt, felt whatever it was that scared me up at Timber Lake, um, you know, maybe that's why I've had bad experiences, but I've told myself before, and I've actually said it out loud that I don't want anything to do with whatever's out there. And I really don't want to ever see it again, experience it. Cause if I go out, I want to enjoy the mountains. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to have to think that I'm going to see something like this and it's going to, you know, because like, I think what I'm trying to say is I know it's probably not going to run out and attack me, you know, or anything like that, but I know that it can do something just petrify you and scare the crap out of you. And you're, you're, there's really nothing you can do is I think is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. In other words, you don't like the helplessness of it. You are totally vulnerable. If it wants to do something to you, it can do it. Is, is that the part that, that freaks yeah. you out? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I've, I spent 23 years in the military. I've had four combat tours and I wasn't um, during all that time. And once I got out, I was not, as nearly as scared as my military tour as I was when those experiences with whatever it is, the Sasquatch. Damn, man. Doesn't that say so much about the, the power of this experience, man, that that's incredible that, I mean, for combat tours, you were never as scared as you were, you know, in these moments in the woods. That's just, that is so powerful. That's such a powerful thing to say. And it, it says so much about this experience. And I hope that everyone who has never encountered a Sasquatch, I hope that, that you, you, that sinks in because that's the kind of powerful experience that we're talking about here, man, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I look forward to getting out there. Alan, you have had all kinds of amazing experiences. You're one of those people who, uh, who is sensitive to this. And that's, I mean, that's where I'm trying to get somewhere with that, with, um, this area of inquiry and of understanding people such as yourself. And I don't have the answers right at hand, but I'm very glad that you took the time to speak with me today and that you opened up about these things that are not easy for you to talk about or even think about. So I really appreciate that. And Alan Woods, thank you so much for being on Type 471 today and sharing your experiences. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. Yeah. All right. And I look forward to going out to those spots soon. Okay. (laughs) All right, man. Will you take care? Me too. Look for Type 471 Podcast on the platform of your choosing. If you want to connect with me on social media, just look for Type 471 Podcast and you're going to find me. Also, be sure to check out the Type 471 Podcast YouTube channel. Please be sure to like and subscribe. If you would like to discuss your paranormal experiences with me, feel free to reach out to me. Email me at type471podcast at gmail.com. I'm Sam Kitchen. Thanks for listening to Type 471.